Okay, we are doing a series on death and resurrection, following it through the Bible, tracing where death came from, and how right in the beginning was a law, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. That was the law right from the beginning. And so death came into the human race. And then uh, we talked about resurrection, people who were brought out of the grave. Last week, G uh, Levi talked about Jesus' resurrection, that it was the first fruits, or that he was the first one to die in a physical human body and then resurrect with a brand new body. Right? Nobody else has done that yet, only him. So he's the first one to have that brand new body, and uh, he's got it, he's wearing it up in heaven. All right, and he had a new body. Someday we'll have that. We'll talk more about that later. All right, but uh, <clears throat> we want to think about for a minute where we've been. We talked about there's three people in the Old Testament who were resurrected one under Elijah and two under Elisha. And we came into the New Testament, talked about Jesus, and there were three people that he resurrected in the New Testament. Uh, the young girl, uh, the widows of Nain's son, and then Lazarus. We talked about the resurrection of Lazarus. So, so far in the history of, from Genesis up to this point, uh, there have been seven resurrections. It's the first six resurrected and died again. But Jesus, being the seventh resurrection, rose up from the grave never to die again. Now, a focus of our Attention, it will be in Matthew 27, although we're going to flip around a little as we try to describe what happened at the resurrection of Christ. Something amazing happened, <clears throat> and it is, it's still, as much as I've studied it and read about it and looked into it and everything you can find out about it, it is, is a stunning thing, all right? So we're in Matthew 27, and Jesus is just dying on the cross. Here we go. Verse 50. Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks rent. So Jesus cries out. We know that he cried out with a very loud voice just as he died. And uh, it says there's an earthquake and the rocks were torn, 52, and the graves were open, and many body of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So we started out with three in the Old Testament, three in the New Testament, and then Jesus dies, and now we can't count them. We don't even know how many there is. They're all over the place. People have come. Now, there's, just as Jesus dies, there's an earthquake, and uh, if you know a little bit of the history, uh, when they built a grave, dug a cave usually, there'd be a big stone on an incline, and they'd have a little wedge there holding it, and when they buried the person in the thing, they'd pull the wedge out, and the stone would roll down and seal up the front of the grave. And so all around Jerusalem, there are graves that are sealed. Uh, that people died, they buried them, 
and the big stone rolls down in front of the grave, and that's, that's where they are. But during this earthquake, as Jesus dies, he shouts out, and then uh, there's an earthquake, and these rocks that are covering tombs all around Jerusalem get kicked out of place, and now there's open graves all around Jerusalem because of that earthquake. And it says that uh, after, uh, after, verse 53, came out of the graves after his resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared unto many. So he dies on Friday night. Saturday is the Sabbath and nobody can touch anything or go anywhere. So they can't reclose the graves, obviously. It's, it's Sabbath day. And then Sunday he rises from the grave and out of these graves all around Jerusalem people are walking out taking a walk down into Jerusalem. Man, I make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, huh? There comes dad, there's uncle Joe. He's walking all over Jerusalem. People came out of the graves all around and walked all over Jerusalem. Now, we want to think about as much as the Bible tells us about how, what's going on and try to make sense of this. Uh, and I've always said, and I always will say, I can't describe the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. I got no words to describe it. Find the best words I can, best preachers ever preached, read everything they got, and I finish with it and I say, I didn't get it. Because there's so much power invested in this moment when Jesus dies and, and is buried. And so we're going to go a little bit into what happened, if we can describe it best we could. There's a place called Sheol in the Hebrew, Sheol, uh, which kind of comes out as the place of the dead. All right? Uh, in some places it's called different things, but that would be the Hebrew word, and of course it's not in your English Bible, but usually it's translated hell, although it's more than that. It's a place of the dead. All right? In Luke 16, uh, we get a description of this from Jesus himself. It's a good thing he gave us this because otherwise we wouldn't know enough to make comment. All right. Jesus has given us this description of this place of the dead. And uh, he tells us something important about it. There's two people that die in Jesus' story. One of them is rich and lives great. The other one's a beggar outside the, the gate. And he said they both die. They both went to Sheol. All right, and uh, Lazarus is going to be rewarded there, and the rich man wasn't interested in God, and so something different happens to him. So we look at verse 22. Came to pass that the beggar died, was carried to the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. See Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, he may dip the tip of his finger in water, cool my tongue, for I am tormented in the flame. Abraham, son, you remember in thy lifetime thou receivest good things, likewise Lazarus, evil thing. Now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, and here's the important point, between us and you is a great gulf fixed. 
So the day which would pass from hence to you, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. And so he describes this place of the dead called Sheol as a, what we call a dimension of existence. It's another dimension of existence. We live in this dimension, which is a time and space continuum. The dimension that we exist in, we're stuck here, bounded by time and bounded by space. I can't walk through that wall. I tried. It doesn't work. All right? You can't do it. All right? And so we're bounded by space. And I'd like to go back in time, but I can't. I'm tied here by time and where I am. And so that's our dimension. This is another dimension of existence. And in it is a division divided into two places. One uh, is typically called hell. All right? And the other one is typically called paradise. So if you died believing in Jesus... You went to paradise where the poor man, beggar went. You didn't believe in God, rejected God, and you went to the other side. And Abraham tells us, you can't go back and forth. Those dimensions, that dimension, the place of the dead, is divided into two parts. And so you can't go back and forth. Now, uh, there's something important about this hell and paradise thing. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. These are the main passages that describe the resurrection of Christ. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm sorry, Ephesians, yes. Thank you. I'm reading ahead in my notes. Ephesians chapter 4. And we look at verse 8. Talking about the death of Christ and what happened when he died. All right? Verse 8. Therefore he saith, when he ascended up on high. He went up. Jesus went up. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So we're going to put it down. Captivity was captive. Interesting use of a phrase. He led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Verse 9. Now, he that ascended, what is it but he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended, same that ascended far above all heavens. And so we start at the cross where Jesus died. And he dies and he goes to this dimension, he's going to descend down into Sheol. Everybody who dies up to this point goes down to Sheol. So in hell, the entire population of the earth, whoever rejected him, are there, starting with probably Cain and everybody up then. And in paradise are the people who believe, people like King David and Elisha and Isaiah and so forth, the Old Testament people that we know. And they're gathered in paradise. And it says Jesus descends down into that place. He goes to that dimension of existence. Now, when he arrives there, it's entirely different than anything that ever has happened before. Because... The law and the reason this exists, this place of the dead, is the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Okay? 
So, Jesus comes to earth, takes a physical human body, dies in that form on a cross as a physical human body, and like everybody else that died, he goes into paradise. And when he gets there, <laughs> he says, the law is the soul that sinneth, it shall die. I never sinned. I didn't sin. Now, everybody that left the world up till that time went into that dimension of existence. He gets there and he says, the law doesn't apply. I can break all the law because I didn't sin. I died, but I didn't sin. So as I arrive here in Sheol, uh, <coughs> sorry, you don't have the power to keep me there. Now, just like you and I are stuck in this dimension until we die, we leave this dimension, those people were stuck in that dimension. They couldn't get out of there. No way they could go. Occasionally, once in a while, somebody came in and out. Who? Jesus called them out. Remember Lazarus? Lazarus come forth. He came from paradise and went back. So Jesus can do whatever he wants. But Jesus now dies, goes in there where they're bound by that law, the soul that sinneth that shall die. But on the way down, after the cross, he dies on the cross, there's another dimension, another dimension of existence. We call it the air because we don't know what else to call it. There's a dimension of existence that's around us, uh, and we can't see it. And so the Bible calls it, because we don't know what to call it, the air. And in that dimension, right next to us can be angels, all right, and, and, and spirits. And, and they can move in this dimension all around. And we've seen throughout the Bible where the angels that come to the birth of Christ, right? Where did they come from? They came from the air. And all of a sudden, bang, there's an angel. Hey, where did you come from? Well, I was right here all the time. You couldn't see me. I stepped into your dimension now. You can see me. And when it's time to leave, they just, and they're gone. And all through the Bible, you see it over and over again. There are creatures, other created beings coming into our dimension and going back into that where they can travel and move unseen by us. We call it the air. And the Bible says that that dimension that we call the air has a prince and a power. And the prince of the power of the air is Satan. And so he's the prince of that dimension as he has used that for his working place and he can move among people and be unseen in that dimension. So Jesus dies on the cross. Of course his body is hanging there until they bury it, but his spirit leaves his body. Right? He's going to travel through the dimension one you can't see to Sheol. All right, he's going to go to that dimension. Uh, but as he's traveling, he, <laughs> uh, he, in the Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, a couple pages over, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, tells us something about 
when Jesus died. And I think when we die, it's, un, it's likely that we slip into that dimension there that we talk about and travel through it. And we get accounts uh, sometimes from people who have died. I'm always very careful about those. But some of them I do believe, and they say, and I was traveling through a tunnel, and I was moving, and I saw off in the distance a light. And that's a pretty common record of what happened. <coughs> Jesus traveling through that dimension, verse 15, Colossians 2. 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Right, there was rules against us. What? The soul that sinneth it shall die. He said, I'll take care of that. It was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So as he passes through that dimension on his way, uh, there are powers there, evil powers. And it says he spoiled them, he destroyed them, in other words, triumphed over them, and just smashed them to pieces. <laughs> And he says he made a show of it openly. And that actually that phrase in the original is to hang it on like on a fence post. So if I shoot that woodchuck, I hang it on the fence post. Say, there, I took care of you, buddy. And the whole world can see you're dead. I fixed you good. Well, Jesus did that to the powers of darkness as he comes off his cross. And so he's moving through the dimension of there, going down into Sheol, the place of the dead. Right? He gets down into Sheol. And all of a sudden, <coughs> there's people who are resurrected in Jerusalem. They're coming out of the graves that have been knocked open by the earthquake, and they're all over the place. So that's after the resurrection. Now, before the resurrection, Jesus descends down to this place called Sheol. And in 1 Peter 3, if you don't want to turn there, I'll read it for you, but you can. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, it says, Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, dying on the cross, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. And so he comes down here into this dimension of existence. He says, you can't keep me here because your law is you have to die and we're going to keep you here. You can't keep me here. Uh, I didn't do any sin. That law has no effect on me. So I can do what I want. And so what he's going to do, first of all, he's going to talk to the people on this side and that side. And he says he preached to the spirits there. Uh, and he told them, what would he tell them? You have been righteously judged. What you did was reject God and you're here because of your own choice and you're going to stay here and he shut the door and left them there they're still there to this day they are still there All right? he shut the door and left them there says he preached to the people on that side to the people on this side uh, he said hey I can come and go as I want you want to go with me 
<laughs> it's great, isn't it? You want to go in there? <laughs> yeah, we've been stuck here for a long time. It's not a bad place, certainly, but we've been stuck here. He said, well, I can take you with me. And so it says he led captivity, or that is the people who were in paradise, captive there. They can't leave that dimension. He said he took captivity captive. And he says, come on, you're going with me. Let's go. I'm going to empty this place out. And we're going to take you to some place better. All right, we're going to take you to some place better. And so what we believe is that he emptied out paradise. And all those people who were waiting. What were they waiting for anyway? Well, all of their sins were covered by the blood of a goat or a sheep. Or a bull or whatever, even a dove. All right? We have in our books one of the great hymns of the faith, not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace or wash away the stain. So they go and they say, here's my sin, I've sinned. Okay, what do you got? I got a lamb. We kill the lamb, put his blood on the altar, and say, okay, your sins are forgiven. Well, not really forgiven. We're going to give you a credit slip, all right, for your sins. So you go, you're going to wait in paradise and hold on to your credit slip, and you're going to redeem it when Jesus dies. Why? Because now the perfect sacrifice is made. And that credit slip, which is the blood of bulls and goats, can't really take away your sin. Now you can redeem it. You say, well, I asked for forgiveness, and I did what I was supposed to. I took the blood of a lamb, and what do we say? Behold the lamb of God. Jesus Christ has come, and now his blood can cleanse all your sins away. And so now they can be washed in the blood of Christ. Well, we can move on to better quarters then. We are now under the blood of Christ. He says, come on, you're coming with me. And so they're going up to heaven. And in Psalm 24, what we believe is the entrance into heaven. What happens when he arrives there? There's a couple reasons we believe it. Psalm 24 All right, now you can imagine in your mind, he's taken up with him all the people who've been waiting, waiting, waiting for what? Waiting for Jesus to die. Were they excited about it? Oh, you bet they were. They got so excited that Elijah and Moses came down to the Mount of Transfiguration and talked with Jesus. And what did they talk about? They said, we talk about his death soon to be accomplished in Jerusalem. So they come down and Moses and Elijah, oh man, it's close and we can't wait. We're just dying for this to happen. We can't wait for you to come and redeem us by the blood of a precious lamb. We're waiting and waiting for all these centuries and it's finally come and we're all excited. And so here they go up, the whole crowd goes up in verse 7, Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lift up ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Now there's angels who guard that dimension, and they say, who is this King of glory? Well, he's the Lord strong and mighty, and the Lord mighty in battle. What's the battle? 
Well, battle is what he went through through the air. And he destroyed the forces of evil. It says single-handedly, he hung them up to dry. All right, so he's come to heaven now with this crowd that he's brought with him. Uh, again, they say, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? It's the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And so uh, he takes, goes from one dimension, earth, through the dimension of the air, into the dimension called Sheol, paradise, and hell. And now he removes them up to the highest dimension, heaven. And you know, he has moved through four dimensions and taken them up there. Now, the interesting thing about our text over in Matthew 27, it says, the graves are open, many bodies of the saints which slept the rose came out of the grave after his resurrection and went into the holy city. This is different than anything we have seen so far. We saw... Uh, the young boy of Elijah and Elisha resurrected. And they will come back to life, and they will live, and then they'll die, right? In the same way with the three that Jesus resurrected. He resurrected the little girl and the, the boy in the funeral and Lazarus. He has res resurrected those three, brought them back to earth. They too will eventually die, and their lives will be over. Now, in Jerusalem, when Jesus resurrects from the grave, comes back into his body that's inside the tomb, uh, fills it up, and changes it into a body like you never saw before. He can walk through walls. And he does it over and over after the resurrection. Comes walking through the walls, and, and all of a sudden there he is right there because he's able to move through the air. Right? Remember, they're at the, uh, the road to Emmaus. They're walking along and they sit down to eat supper and all of a sudden he gives a blessing. And they say, oh, I think we recognize that voice. I think personally, what I think is that he exposed his hands. Because it says he still bears a wound in his hand. I think he exposed his hands to break the bread. And they said, oh, he's got nail hand. And then all of a sudden, what? Zoom, he's gone. Disappeared right out of their kitchen. <laughs> Don't you want to do that? I want to do that. That's, we're going to be able to do that. And I'm going to do that as much as I can when I get there. I'm going to go eat lunch with you, and then I'm going to disappear. This is like any, anything I go, you want to do that? I want to do that. And we're going to get the chance to do that. Anyway, where was I? There's people all over Jerusalem. They're walking around. that came out of the tombs. And it's stunning. And uh, you ask yourself this, did they stay until they died? No. So we see something brand new here we haven't seen before. Now, all the resurrections, the six of them leading up to Christ, they brought back and then lived and then finally died again. Jesus rise never to die again. Now these people are walking around Jerusalem. They're all over Jerusalem. People are recognizing them. That's important. They're recognizing these people that we know. He's, he's dead. No, he's not. He's right there. He's just walking by the door. 
And we see them all over Jerusalem. And then they're gone. They're all gone. Where did they go? Where did they go? They didn't die. They just disappeared. The only way that I can think to describe it is because they just disappeared. Because they just disappeared. What was going on? Well, Jesus rose from the dead and he says, Come on, you guys, you don't have to stay here. You're coming with me. You know, everybody's excited. You can't imagine how excited they were. They're going with you. Where are we going? Up to heaven. You know, you haven't yet had the qualification to get there because you had to have the blood of Christ. But now you got it. And your credit slips can be cashed in and you're coming with me. Let's go. And so up they go, and they ask a question, I think, the only way I can describe it, in my own little feeble-minded way. They ask a question. Hey, can we stop on the way? We'd like to go to our own hometown and stop over. You think you'd mind if we do that? And Jesus said, I think that's a great idea. Why? I want the people of Jerusalem to know when they crucified the Lord of glory they weren't messing around with just anybody I want them to know I'm not going to go well he is going to go back there too he's going to show up with certain people you see I, if it was me I'd say Jesus the first place I'd go is Pontius Pilate walk on the door and say remember me <laughs> but that's not Jesus he doesn't have that in his nature, that vindictiveness that I seem to be full of. <laughs> He's got something else. And he won't go to Pilate. And he won't go to Herod. He's not going there. Uh, but he says, you guys, just wander around. Enjoy Jerusalem for a minute. And so they do. They come out of those graves somehow, and they're walking around Jerusalem, and everybody's seeing them, and you can't imagine the minds that were changed because of that. How come Dad, who we buried three months ago, is right there? The only thing we know that happened is they crucified Jesus of Nazareth. And I don't know what became of all that, but there's Dad. And there's uncle, whoever, and aunt so-and-so, and cousin. And they're walking around Jerusalem, and you can't, they don't know what to do with it. Of course, then they disappear. Why? Because Jesus said, okay, we had our fun. We stopped for a stop over in the old, old town. Let's go up. Yeah, let's go up. And they all go up together to heaven, and they're there till this day. All right? And so I think that Jesus said, why not? Because it's proof that the resurrection is so powerful. Now get this. The resurrection is so powerful that it changed dimensions of existence that had existed for as far as we know for eons and eons of time. This dimension here is permanently changed, half abandoned. This part is abandoned, all right? 
This dimension, which was full of the powers of darkness, gotten their ears nailed back. So that dimension's changed. He has taken these people up to heaven, and heaven for the first time received humans. The first time Jesus led them in. And so all of a sudden, heaven's running around with all these redeemed saints. And the Bible describes it as there's redeemed saints and an innumerable company of angels up there. Can you imagine the angels, what they did when all of a sudden the place is full of humans? And they look and they say, man, you're lucky. You got redeemed by our, our Savior. He redeemed you. You don't know how good you got it. And they learned there what it was like as they saw those people come. And so proof that his resurrection was so powerful it changed all four dimensions you say well how did it change ours we're free to go up there next and we don't have to go through this one and go right by it right into that one so this dimension has changed every dimension of existence was changed some of them shattered by the power of the resurrection of jesus christ living proof there's people walking all over jerusalem who were dead disappeared where did they go they're happy now they're happy now somebody came up to me and said when my father died this is so tragic i said no it's not it's the happiest moment of his life it's wonderful where he's gone he's having the time of his life and he don't want to come back and i wouldn't ask him all right so power of the resurrection went through the entire creation of God and not just this creation but that dimension and that dimension and that dimension he's not done yet next week we'll go on to what happens next thank you